Welcome to the Home Inspired Podcast, where we discover the power and potential of home. Journey with a community of kingdom-minded moms as we look at the micro-nation of home and the world-changing possibilities within our own four walls. Well, I am welcoming a good friend of mine, Liz Schmidt, to the show today. And um, Liz and I met maybe four years ago-ish. And um, she is one of those people who um, just really inspires me to know God more and walk more intimately in God. And she's uh, got many, many chapters to her life. She is a warrior and a worshiper and an overcomer and a really incredible person. So I'm excited for whatever comes out in this show today. It's going to be good. And um, yeah, I just want to thank you, Liz, for being here. And I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. So Liz, you have an amazing story of a journey with God, and I'm wondering, would you just be willing to share just kind of a brief overview of your, of your journey, particularly with marriage, but okay. yeah. So <clears throat> my first marriage was to someone that I met at our youth group, uh, college age group, uh, who was heading off to seminary. So I knew I wanted to marry a Christian. I knew I wanted somebody who was uh, going after God. Um, but after um, that, that marriage ended after 20 years because of many flaws, but um, it's a journey uh, to a failed marriage. For me, it was realizing that we weren't going in the same direction anymore. Um, and that uh, abuse had crept into our marriage and affected so many things as well as our children and that I wasn't okay with continuing in that marriage anymore. Um, and praying for, I'd, I'd say for a year, just praying and fasting for that marriage to turn around um, and then being willing to step out because it yeah. didn't. Um, and I say now that the, um, every single prayer I prayed was answered above and beyond mm. in my second marriage. Mm. And I'm so grateful I had all those prayers to pray because <laughs> I can see that how they've been answered. Wow. Um, and how they've been answered above and beyond what wow. I ever expected. So for after a brief separation um, and being a single mom, of five kids for a few years, I met um, my second husband, and he was the exact opposite mm -hmm. uh, as far as um, his walk with the Lord and his kindness mm. and his um, purity and his character uh, were all so, so true. I would just like look at him like, how can this be? Mm. Um, where did you come from? Like, <laughs> so, and, and then after we got married, I realized there was a, 
there was a purity in our marriage I'd never experienced in my first marriage. And I was married for 20 years. Wow. And I couldn't put my finger on it for a bit. It took me a while. And I realized it was because everything uh, he did was always out of love for me. Wow. Everything. And it was just like such a refreshing purity that I, I just had not experienced it before. And just to know that everything he was doing was trying to, to show me that he loved me. Like he understood intimacy um, because he was always trying to do that, be intimate in, in, in the way he loved. And that was, it took me a while to figure that out because I had not experienced that in my first marriage. And then wow. I began to see the beauty of it and mm. how, how beautiful that is, and that's how God loves us. So it's mm. just been a, an, a great walk, and I'm just really grateful that I've learned the things that I've learned. Yeah. So you have this, like, incredible contrast between two cultures in family. And, I mean, you, you mentioned that just briefly, but could you talk a little bit more about that? Because... For those who are maybe considering getting married, you know, I would love for them to be able to glean from you. Like, what did you see? Did you see, like, control in the first one? And then, like, you know, freedom in this? Or how, what, how could you? I would say that the first one would be a very good picture of the religious spirit. Mm. So you were like always striving to yeah, always striving to, to be better, to do better. And to hide your errors, hide your mistakes, hide yeah. your flaws, not show them, not be honest, not be vulnerable. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And then the second one would be this just, um, there was no religion in it. It was pure love. So the, the difference. So abuse is a setup, is set up when there's that religious spirit. Talk to me about that. Um. So I think that that religious spirit, if you're going after performance and you're hiding your flaws and you're not living up to not being, um, not living, not able to look at Meet the mark. Yeah, meet the mark. So you're always hiding. Then there's no honesty. Mm -hmm. And there's um, the abuse begins to happen subtly because then Mm -hmm. you're just going to put more pressure on that person to perform. And before you know it, it's, not just subtle abuse, it can become other, because then you become angry because things aren't going right or things don't look right or and you've got to hide more and you got to, so mm. that whole religious spirit just in, embodies all of that, mm-hmm. um, trying to perform and live up to, to perfection mm. when none of us can. And do you, do you feel like you saw that going into the marriage, but you kind of, you know, or or what were there indications for you beforehand, or did it kind of just did the spirit of religion kind of just invade once you got married? I did not see it to begin with. I'm not sure um, it wasn't there, but I actually feel like every single day we make choices, mm-hmm. and every day. I think we're going the same direction because we're living in the same home, but, and we're kind of have the same goals. But I realized after 
the marriage was over that there had been a widening between what we were going for mm. and that there were many choices that he would make that would take him off the path and I couldn't because my my goals didn't change my things didn't change I kept feeling like he was with me mm. but I look back and I sense that he made many choices to go another way and that's where the friction became where I I, I didn't see the widening gap okay I didn't see it right away and I think if you're raising children, which we were at the time, five children under 10, it, life was incredibly busy. Sure. And I didn't have time to think. Sure. Oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> and life just goes on 100 miles an hour. And But if I look back on it, I could say it was a, a daily choices that would tear us apart rather than bring you together. Bring us together. Okay. And all of a sudden you realize, how come we're so wide apart? Wow. Wow. I think that that happens more often than yeah. people care to admit. <laughs> and just just, uh, just so people know that I, I actually have a friend who the same thing happened to. Only when they realized they were wide apart, they started to come close together. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. their marriage was saved and the Lord redeemed Mm -hmm. everything and they're so glad they did that mm -hmm. however that didn't happen because um one it takes two people to make that decision right and you can't i learned the hard way you can't one person cannot keep a marriage together mm. one cannot mm. it takes two people fully committed to make a marriage work yeah Okay, so tell me about, because um, we were on the topic of sex and sex within marriage and wanting to talk about, um, you had mentioned something about um, there being kind of this idea in our culture, but kind of a, a reactionary like fear in the church, like because sex the only definition for sex in our culture is kind of self-gratification like i want to feel good it's about me right well, is that I, what you were saying i think that in the religious community yeah um that the only definition of good sex that we have unfortunately is sex within the bonds of marriage mm -hmm. so we just take sex and we put it within a marriage, but we don't necessarily make it different than if it were outside of marriage. Mm. Does that make sense? Like we don't really help people understand what it's really supposed to right. be about within right. marriage. Yeah. It's just like, hey, wait until you're married. Okay, go. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's going to be good. Or maybe not, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> and so sex is much more than the act. Um, yeah. It's about intimacy it's about relationship. It's about trust. Mm -hmm. It's about um, loving the other one more than you love yourself. So sex isn't just about meeting the physical needs or having that good feeling. It's really much more than that inside mm -hmm. marriage. Um, but we tend to take that definition of marriage, of sex outside of marriage and bring it in 
Mm-hmm. And so it kind of gets warped. Mm-hmm. Um, and our culture is over-sexualized. So sex uh, is seen as a gratification. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the cultural norm. Yeah. To seek gratification of that need, that sexual need, that physical need. Mm-hmm. But that's so much different and so much more inside of marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, it's just so much different. Yeah. And I, I've done a lot of work with people with even who have been married and then um, find themselves single again. Mm-hmm. And in the discussions that we've had, all of a sudden one day, I, the Lord showed me that what they were missing was a good feeling. Mm. They were missing the good feeling, so they wanted to know if it's okay to go get that good to feeling. That good feeling, like I really miss it. I really want a person just to feel fulfill that. And I'm like, is that what you really want? Yeah. Hang on, just a second. That's good. So what I hear you saying is just that um, people had a, an orientation about their understanding of sex that was about like I miss the feeling of what it did for me. And so they're looking for that. They're missing that when they're single. But what I hear you saying, and clear, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but that really you're saying that their whole orientation around sex was actually misinformed or... For themselves. Yeah, for themselves. Yeah. And actually, when we go into a marriage covenant, it's everything needs to be about meeting the other person's needs. So if both of you are are striving to meet each other's needs all the time, then there's that, um, the beautifulness, the beauty of needs being met out of love mm-hmm. and not out of coercion or um, I need this from you mm-hmm. because the needs are being met because each of them are trying to meet the other's needs mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's... An ideal marriage, mm-hmm. um, but I'd like to say I have a husband who does that, who thinks that way now, mm-hmm. and it was just like, oh my gosh, I prayed for this, I prayed for this, I prayed for this, mm-hmm. and to experience it was better than I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. because I began to see when we do strive to meet each other's needs, intimacy becomes better, mm-hmm. intimacy becomes easier. Our sexuality becomes more beautiful, mm-hmm. and we're meeting each other's needs. We're not in it for our own gratification. Yeah, which is, uh, if we're in something for our own gratification, it has moment momentary value. Yeah. So, um, and I I think that with um, I remember this this single woman I was talking to, and I uh, kind of challenged her on that about so this is what you're wanting Mm. oh and it just made her think um yeah it is just a momentary thing that I'm wanting but that's really not true (laughs) so just realizing what our feelings are coming out of and and talking about them with other people helps but if you don't ever talk about those kinds of things, our sexuality inside or outside of marriage, 
it's very easy, especially in the religious world, to get wrong ideas. Yeah. And not have an understanding of that. Yeah. In, in the religious world, it's not really safe to talk about sex very well. Why is that? <laughs> I don't know. Because it's so Which, vulnerable. and So I wonder how many people have been really undone by the Song of Solomon, the way Brian Simmons has mm -hmm. taught it. Mm -hmm. versus the way it used to be taught before that it was only for people getting married. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so different. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so excited that the church has gone away from that. Yeah. And that, that we can see in scripture that it's much more than mm -hmm. just a love story. It's a, it's a story of intimacy. It's a story of God loving us mm -hmm. in a way that is above and beyond even a human relationship. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think our, the church just had such a tainted view mm -hmm. of sexuality mm -hmm. and they didn't talk about it much because it was only, I think we talked about that at the beginning because we'd just take sex right here and put it into marriage and say, this is the only way you can have it. Well, that wasn't true necessarily. Mm -hmm. It was, there was so much more to mm -hmm. it than that, mm -hmm. that piece of it. Mm -hmm. um, so sex was bad in so many connotations in the religious mind, sex is bad in so many ways <laughs> that you get you forget how good it is if it's in the right place. Yeah. And you won't you don't see that because you've just seen all the negative. Yeah, I know. I've had friends who've I wasn't raised in the church, I was raised in like kind of more of a free love kind of, mm. you know. So it I would say sex was like not sacred, like it is in scripture, but like it was, I didn't have shame attached to it, which was a huge blessing actually. And so I had friends who had grown up in the church and, you know, it was like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And then they get married and it's like, okay, do it. And yeah. they're like, um, I'm not really enjoying this. You know, like they don't have any framework for enjoyment because there's or, too much shame attached yeah to there's so much shame and so much just like don't do it fear fear of doing yeah something wrong doing it wrong and that doesn't just like automatically just go away you know because no. you just got married yeah. like it's been it's yeah it's been a mechanism i think of control in terms of like religion to put fear in young people like to not have sex. And like, I understand, you know, there's ramifications for having sex, but like, instead it's, I, I would hope that there's a way that you could teach your kids that would be without shame, but also helping them understand like within the context of marriage is the most, um, uh, in some ways secure. Safe and secure. Yeah. Safe and secure place safe to have, security. Because you know that person's going to be there the next day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay. And to Let's... learn about it together, too. Yeah. 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 But I think our culture has a huge effect on that because we actually, the United States of America really lives on, and I know people don't like this, but we live in a rape culture. Hmm. It's a culture of, using women mm -hmm. uh, for specific things and mm -hmm. that's what they're good for and that's mm -hmm. what they're meant to be they're meant to be beautiful they're meant to be used they're meant to be sex objects but that is not 
all of what we believe, but that certainly affects even the Christians. Sure. And how we look at marriage and how we look at men and women. Mm. And it, it, more than we know. More than we know. Yeah. Okay. That's a great segue into my next question that I had for you, which is you've worked with a lot of people who have had some form of abuse, sexual abuse in their past, whether it's rape or sexual, you know, molestation or whatever. I know that you have an immense amount of hope and faith that they can be restored and that they can have intimacy in the true sense of the of the word can you can you speak to that a little bit and um also you know just impart like hope for full restoration not just for like you know it can be okay kind of you know what I mean yeah so I'll just step back just a second and say part of my healing journey after my first marriage was that I became a sexual assault nurse and in that I did worked on a rape crisis team and dealt had a lot of training with abuse and questions to ask and um, things to do for people so during that along along with that knowledge while I was getting my training there I realized that I had had so many gaps in my understanding of sex in the church because mm. I grew up in the church and all I knew from, about sex was from the church. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn it very well outside because I was too afraid. Yeah. <laughs> so when I went through that training, it was almost like a whole bunch of puzzle pieces mm. that I had never been taught wow. uh, were placed in me. I was like, oh, there was so much value in going outside of the church to get this training. Mm-hmm. And I now I can put it in with what I understand the Bible to, but it now it makes a full picture. Mm-hmm. And I did not have the knowledge. And here I am, I think I was in my 40s. Yeah. Wrong. So I had so many missing pieces. Yeah. And like what? Can you give an I example? I don't know if I can. It's just so uh, rampant. Um I guess the rape culture is one of those pieces, how prevalent it is in our culture, how our boys are trained, how our women are trained from Mm -hmm. get-go on those things that are just subtly Mm -hmm. uh, put into us um, and how to, that that's not true. One of the things I think was like, I don't care, I, I will never forget somebody saying this, one of our teachers, one of our trainers said, it doesn't matter how a girl is dressed, a boy has no right to touch her in an inappropriate way. Yeah. It, it's not about the clothing. Mm-hmm. So a rape culture will tell you, well, she if suggests, you're fault, yeah. you dress that way. Yeah. But if you're in a normal, a good culture, it's not about how you dress. Mm-hmm. It's about how you act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, it's not right mm-hmm. to do that. It you can you can say it's her fault, but it's your fault. You're the one who made the choice to touch. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a huge, huge piece. If you realize the the ramifications of that, that it's not about how we dress. Mm-hmm. It's about what they do with that, mm-hmm. or how they look at that. 
hmm. or how they see it. Um, and so that's a big piece of the rape culture that I think he, even inside of the church, I hear many men saying, well, she shouldn't dress that way. It shouldn't matter how a woman dresses. You should honor her mm-hmm. regardless of how she dresses. Sure. And you shouldn't be looking at the way she dresses. You should be looking at who the, the person is. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, um, so whether within or without of the church, that was one that was a great big mm. revelation to me. It seems like um, what, you know, because so when, so when I became a believer, you know, I was kind of taught like with modesty, and I'm wondering what you would think about this, but um, with modesty, it was a way of like really loving and respect and like honoring our brothers mm-hmm. because it's a way of, and also ourselves in terms of like, okay, I want to be treated like a sister. I don't want to be over-sexualized. I'm not going to dress over-sexualized. But at the same, in the same breath, what I hear you saying is that like for men, it's a call to men to be honorable no matter what and to guard and protect and, um, and that their, that their behavior is not dependent like they're not they're not animals that are just um, have to submit to their instincts. Right. You know that's not the humanity that God created. God created people with choice, right. and so like these men, they have a choice. They do. And so like, what I hear you saying is that they have a choice to either honor or not. And so, even even right. if a woman is dressed in a in a inappropriately, yeah. So I think this comes, that shame comes back in. Mm -hmm. So me being raised in a church culture, modesty was a huge thing. Mm -hmm. But every time I was, there was any appearance of immodesty, shame came in. Mm -hmm. So if my dress was two inches too short, shame came in. How dare you do that? They said that to you. Yeah. Or you shouldn't dress that way. And I'm like, there wasn't anything wrong with the way I was dressing. And not even with even like not with your heart at all. Right. You weren't. You were just having fun, or trying to be stylish right. or whatever. Right. Yeah. Or you know whatever. And so it, it really became much more about the shame that you you create because of what you look like, mm. and not so much about what you're wearing. Like mm-hmm. I think there's a woman who can dress uh, very modestly and be beautiful. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And sometimes more stunning, more beautiful than somebody who's inappropriately Absolutely. So it's not about the dress. Yeah. But I think, as we talked about earlier, where the shame came in with sex before Mm -hmm. marriage, Mm -hmm. so does shame come in with how we dress. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know some young girls, and their parents are simply just trying to teach them to be modest, but they're so ashamed of their body. Mm-hmm. They're so ashamed of their body. They're afraid to wear a swimsuit or because they might suggest something to somebody. Like So mm. now we're building shame into her body image of young girls in the Christian community because of that whole thing, the way you dress. It's your fault. Wow. Which is not good. No. Nope. That's so, not good at all. And that's the religious spirit then. Yeah. comes in again. To do that. Wow. So. Okay. So, and I think one of the things we can do for our children, one of the best things we can do is to, to, to train them 
to treat other people like they would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Not um, like, so I've seen, I've seen some parents, this is hilarious. I've seen some parents who say, I've taught my children good touch. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they've taught them, don't let anybody touch you in certain places. Okay. Mm -hmm. They call that good touch. Well, I've seen it backfire too. So this little, there was a young girl who was at school and some boy brushed by her, brushed her butt. Mm -hmm. And she freaks out, screams at the teacher. He did this and he's not supposed to touch my butt. Blah, blah, you know, <laughs> and like the boy had no idea. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. And that's so embarrassing he too. He had no idea that he <laughs> absolutely <laughs> touched her butt. Oh, know? yeah. But she had been hyper taught, sensitized, yeah, sensitized that that's a bad touch, instead of looking at the whole picture mm -hmm. and seeing the whole thing of um, was he treating me that way, mm. you know, mm. or or uh, you know, if he's walking by me and accidentally did that, that's different than mm -hmm. the other. But so. That's another, that's, this is a little more complicated, but teaching a child appropriate touch of other children mm -hmm. is the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. so how to touch other right. children to in touch an appropriate way. In an appropriate way. Yeah. Teach them to t treat other children like they want, should be treated. Yeah. And this is the good ways to treat one another. Yeah. And to treat them that way and teach them that way instead yeah. of, do do not do yeah. this. Don't do that. Don't let anybody do this. Yeah. The no's actually create that religious spirit. Mm. And then you lose the, go to the letter. Freedom. Law. Yeah, you, you lose, lose the, the freedom. freedom. So. It's almost like a good cookie recipe. Like <laughs> you need the salt and the baking soda, but you just need a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, okay, this is not a good touch. Okay, now here's what, you know, yeah. good, or this is what good touch looks like. I know I freak out sometimes. I don't, I freak out inwardly. Like sometimes when my son is, he'll like, you know, be messing around with like his privates or something and like, you know, just in a way that is really not appropriate. And I'll be like, <laughs> you know, ah! but um, inside I'm like, honey, you know, or, or sorry, outside what I say is, honey, that's just not appropriate. But like inside I'm like, ah. <laughs> they need us to teach them everything i know so that's right if we see them doing something inappropriate we need to correct them without shame right and, and that's the part be, yeah. that that's the part that is like so hard because <laughs> i'm freaking out you know inside i'm like oh but i think he's just like oh this is fun mom you know like i i don't he doesn't have the boundary to know right you know right yeah oh so it's, it's funny what we have to teach them. Oh, yeah. I think we have to teach them. I know. It's really true. <laughs> and, and or it may be kind of funny what we hope other people teach them. Because we don't want to teach them because we're shamed. Yeah. Which is wrong, too. And, and that I think I'm more convinced that the, the better things, the more things are talked about openly and freely within the home, the less will be misunderstood outside. Mm-hmm. And so make it a freedom environment to talk about anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. then the child will come to you with questions rather than yeah. look to somebody else. Like, 
mom didn't like it when I asked that question. So I'm right. going to go to her. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And so yeah. I think that shame thing has so much to do with how we respond to our kids and how they will keep coming to us for a while. Yeah. No, it's really true. Cause, cause they get, they, they get the message. Oh, my question is too much for my parents. Like it overwhelms them or it embarrasses them or something. I don't know, but yeah, I don't want to do that again. Like that's not yeah fun. Right. It's not safe. It doesn't feel safe. You and, know, and kids will ask us questions that kind of really rattle you. Yeah. Uh, can I think about that a minute? <laughs> might be a better answer than saying, we aren't going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you can get a an answer. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, yeah. It's so much better than go back and think about it. And then sometimes when kids ask questions that are just what we think are out there, yeah. actually, that's not what they're meaning. Right. Like, they may not mean what we go to right. when we hear that question. Mm. So ask them a question. Well, like, explain to me what that means to you. Mm -hmm. Or how do you see that? Mm -hmm. And then you can answer it at their level mm -hmm. instead of uh, ex uh, expecting it to be at a level where we are with that question. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I decided, like, with Judah, he asked... Um, he asked me where babies came from. And so um, I just gave him like a basic, you know, a basic course. Told him when he asked me this when he was like three or four. Yeah. So I said, um, well, when people get married, um, a, a man puts a seed inside a woman and it grows. And that's where the baby comes from. And he was like, okay, you know, happy as a little clam. And so I thought, okay, this is good because I can build on this, you know, and it opened the conversation and there is no shame. So like the, we were, um, we watched, we were actually a part of a wedding. And so he was like, when are so-and-so and so-and-so going to have a baby? <laughs> I was like, okay, um, let's not ask them that question because. <laughs> I don't think they want to have a baby anytime soon, but, um, but he was thinking about it and he put those things together and so that was kind of cool. Yeah. So I remember one of the funniest conversations I had with, um, one of my boys one time was hilarious. So I was in the other room and I had several kids at the house playing with, there were three boys together in the living room. There were probably eight and they were arguing about something. And I couldn't, so I started listening to what they were arguing about. Like, the argument just got worse oh. and worse. And so I came out to the living room and said, what's going on? Mm -hmm. What's going on here? And um, my son says, well, we were talking about where babies come from. Oh. I was like, oh, well, tell me what what's going on. And so one of the boys um, was arguing that babies came out between a woman's leg. Okay. Okay. And another one said, no, the doctor cuts it open and pulls it out. Okay. And then my son was like, well, I was a gift. Well, he was adopted. Oh. And so they were all mad at each other because their parents had told them something and it didn't match up with the other kids. Yeah. And so you're wrong and I'm right. Yeah. And there was this absolute, like, my mom said this, so this is the way it is. 
Yeah. And it was so fun to have that conversation and say, oh, there are many ways babies come into the world. Yeah. And they're all, you know, anyway, it was just really interesting to me how black and white children are and Mm -hmm. how we don't realize when we answer their questions. They take it in. Yeah. They do, but they take it's black and white. And they've got to learn the the gray areas. They've got to see those other areas. Mm -hmm. So it's with kids especially. They're so black and white. Mm -hmm. And they just see things as black and white. So when we answer them, we have to make sure that there's some gray stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) given Mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. Um, Because otherwise they see it black and white. (laughs) It's one way or yeah. there or the highway. <laughs> their way or the highway. Yeah. Oh. So so you've mentioned a little bit about what um you've learned about healthy um healthy sex in in marriage. Would you talk a little bit more about um like other forms of intimacy in marriage and how they play into sex and also intimacy with the Lord and how that plays into sex. Um, okay. Let's the first one. Um, I think everything in your marriage plays into the intimacy in the bedroom Mm -hmm. and the intimacy in the bedroom is only as strong or safe or secure as the whole marriage is. Mm -hmm. So if a wife is, feeling insecure about her relationship with her husband, that's going to play out in the bedroom. Yeah, for Um, sure. And it's never the other way around. It's never more secure in the bedroom than it is outside. Mm. It's never the other way around. Um, Safety and security have to be in the relationship for the bedroom to be a a safe place and Mm -hmm. a safe thing. So all of that goes into a woman's side specifically, but, uh, when a man doesn't realize it, it's as important, they just take it a different way. It looks a little different for them. So everything plays into how strong the marriage is in the bedroom, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the intimacy, um, how they're loved, how they're perceived, how they're um, provided for, mm-hmm. all, all those things mm-hmm. that we need um, has something to do with it. Um, and then what was the second question? How your intimacy with the Lord has impacts that area of life. So, and I think that's really big because in our world, I'm not sure that we learn intimacy really well. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability is one of our bad areas in our, in our culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being vulnerable, being honest, being intimate is not an easy thing. It's something we, we learn and we have to work at. And if we've not learned how to work at that with the Lord and becoming intimate with the Lord, we're not going to know how to do it with our spouses. Mm-hmm. Some some spouses can teach you that, but I hopefully I, as it's a relationship with the Lord, intimacy with the Lord is a one on one. Like you're not you're not going to become intimate with the Lord because somebody else is helping you do it. Mm-hmm. You're it, it really is a one on one relationship. Same thing with your marriage. So a great place to start at having a good marriage is starting to be intimate with the Lord, getting to understand what intimacy is, and then that will grow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. I, it makes me think, you know, that sex is a form of exchange, right? And like, I, um, 
I think um, one of the strongest things for me and Austin has been that before we ever got married, and this was just how our marriage was set up, we had learned how to have exchange with the Lord in our like time. So it wasn't just like, I'm going to check this off my list. I've read my Bible, you know, like that kind of thing. It's, it was more like, God, I want an exchange with you. And so we learned how to go to him with our hurt or with our this or with our that and get an exchange. And that's been like the bread and butter. Like sometimes if I'm really funky, Austin will be like, do you just need to spend some time with God? And I'll be like, no, I don't want to spend time with <laughs> But like, he'll be like, just take 30 minutes and just journal and I'll get, I'll take the kids. I'm like mad at him for suggesting that when I'm really bad, when I'm really funky, you know, but it's exactly right. Because if I just, but that takes practice. Right. And like, and, but like the, in, in a way, I mean this, I don't take this the wrong way, but it's, it's kind of, it's a communion spirit to spirit. It is. In sort of the same way that sex is. I mean, you know, it's like this exchange with the Lord. I'm not saying we're having sex with the Lord. No one email me or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And there will be another level of intimacy when a couple brings Christ into their marriage. Mm -hmm. There'd just be a higher level because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Non-Christians can have great intimacy but I bet if you question any one of them you bring the Lord into that relationship and there'll be an upgrade mm-hmm. um, because he can teach us things that we don't know right and there'll be things available to us that are different yeah it's like he makes he he bring he makes different colors mm-hmm. like alive in I mean I don't even know if that makes any sense but it's like he brings more colors to our palette right. like he makes us more alive right so we can share more of right. who we are with yeah. our spouse. And and I think if we learn to let the Lord love on us, mm-hmm. we learn a lot about what we need. Mm-hmm. And we then can turn around and do that for our spouse. Mm-hmm. And that changes the relationship sometimes. So oh, yeah. I think it's, it's really important to have that part of that in there. Um, so, for example, I think if when we were first married, I wasn't understanding some things, I would ask the Lord, okay, how can I love him? What's his love language? Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to figure that out. But pretty soon, you know, oh, the Lord would show me, okay, this is a good way to love him. Mm-hmm. This is something he needs you to say or he needs mm-hmm. you to do. And so asking the Lord to help me love mm-hmm. makes a big deal in our, in our relationship. Sure. So, and I think we need it because yeah. I couldn't figure them out. <laughs> he, likewise, I think he would say the same about me. That's yeah. good. It's grace of God. Yeah. Holy Spirit. He's all yeah. about unity yeah. and yeah. loving each other in marriage. All loving right. each other just yeah. in general. Yeah. And I think when I, uh, even with my second marriage, when we first got married, I was like, would say often to him, I don't need that. I don't need you to do that. I don't need flowers. I don't need this. I don't need that. Hmm. And what I was telling him was not helpful necessarily. It mm-hmm. was like I wasn't receiving his gestures. Right. Yes. Because somehow or other, those shame had gotten attached to those things. Yeah. Like I shouldn't need that. 
Right. And and yet you're I a strong, independent woman. Right. And I wasn't letting him. Right. Me. So yeah. it was really a, a kind of a dance at first to learn. Yeah. He's doing that because he loves me, and then being able to receive that and talking to the Lord about what's he doing that for? You know, it's <laughs> like this dance of learning how to receive and give. Yeah. Love in the way that person can perceive it. Yeah. And I think that's with any relationship. Um, you know, we're called to love. So there's going to be that, okay, what does that person need from me? Or what is, how do I love this person that's yeah. so, so prickly? You right. Know, how do I get close to this person without getting prickled? Right. You know, um, just learning that dance of love. And the Lord's the best one to teach us. Yeah. It's good. Okay. So just wrapping up, if you were sitting across from someone who was either considering marriage with someone that they, you know, on their way to being married or newly married, what would you want them to know or what would you tell them? So I would have to ask them questions. Yes, of course you would. I would say, I would think probably the only thing that both of them need is to have a really good understanding of how to hear from God. Mm -hmm. So they can ask God, okay, how do, what do I do here? How do I love this person? How should I take this? And if we don't have that, I think it would be really hard inside of a marriage. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. So I think the most important thing is to learn to hear from God mm -hmm. and to listen to the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. I'm not sure I could do that without, I could have a good marriage without that. Yeah. Um, we need that. Because we're going to make mistakes. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit knows how to fix them. <laughs> yeah. Better than, than we do. Yeah. And help us work through them. Yeah. So I would, I would think that would be number one. But yeah. I can think of about 10 scenarios for that. Different yeah, situations. Yeah. yeah. And just to, just to, um, I mean, I know that my answer. I, I I think that like with hearing from God, um, at least for me, the the main thing that helped me hear from God was just practicing. Mm -hmm. But would you say anything else that would maybe help open that door for people? Practicing with others in in a in a community that supports learning how to do it. Mm -hmm. So you hear a testimony from somebody else. This is what I heard, and this is what I did, and this is, you know, I God was telling me it this mm -hmm. way. Um, because sometimes God, we miss God's voice. Mm -hmm. He often whispers. He often says things quietly or shows us something, and we miss it. Yeah. So I think in a community where you are going to learn those kinds of things, also where you yeah. hear and share um, with one another. Um, how God's moving. Yeah. That teaches you. So practice is a big part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we need, we all need support. Sure. So getting in, having a support, a support group also was a big part. Yeah. Of having healthy relationships. For sure. For sure. Well, thanks Liz. Thank you for having me. Yeah. You're awesome.
Thank you so much for joining us today. Please check out our website at homeinspired.org for more resources. And if you want to connect with me in person, email me at naomi at homeinspired.org. Thanks again.